Coming up this week, Toyota updates their future EV plans. Kawasaki is set to introduce some hybrids and electric motorcycles. Canada threatens tariffs over the EV tax credit bill and more. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 90 of the EV Resource Podcast. My name is Zach Hurst, and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and answers to your questions about electric vehicles. Before we get started with the news this week, I want to thank our podcast partner, Titan Auto and Tire in Mosley, Virginia, for their support. Titan is one of the very few independent shops in Central Virginia that are qualified to work on EVs, and from hybrids to Hummers, they fix everything. For more information and to schedule an appointment for your vehicle, go to TitanAutoTire.com. That's TitanAutoTire.com. Starting us off this week is news coming out of New York City, where there is a proposal to purchase more than $12 million worth of Teslas for the city's fleet. Fred Lampert of Electric writes, The city of New York is currently proposing a contract to buy a fleet of Model 3 vehicles from Tesla. It would create a fleet of hundreds of electric cars for the city. The proposed contract has been revealed through a notice for public hearing. The city wrote in the notice, quote, In the matter of a proposed contract between the Department of Citywide Administrative Services and the City of New York and Tesla, Inc., located at 3500 Deer Creek Road in Palo Alto, California, 943804, for procuring Tesla Model 3 all-electric sedans, the contract is in the amount of $12,360,000. The term of the contract shall be five years from the date of notice of award. Now, it is worth noting that Tesla isn't headquartered in Palo Alto anymore, so I'm not sure if that makes any difference to this at all or not, really. The proposed contract was discussed at a public hearing on December 16th of this year, just a few days ago. The number of Model 3 vehicles involved in the contract wasn't disclosed, but if the value of the fleet is around 12,300, sorry, 12,360,000, then it should be between 200 and 300 electric vehicles. Now, it's not clear what the Tesla vehicles are going to be used for by the city, but New York operates a large fleet of vehicles throughout many, many departments. Earlier this year, the New York City Police Department did buy a Model 3 to turn it into a police patrol car, and so they have become the latest of many police departments across the U.S. that decided to buy a Tesla to replace their gas-powered patrol vehicles. The gas savings have proven to make a massive difference in their fleet costs. So this new proposed contract to buy a fleet of Tesla vehicles isn't a surprise coming after Mayor Bill de Blasio announced a $75 million investment in electric vehicles just a few months ago. The new announcement included several specific promises. 300 EVs to replace fossil fueled power models, 275 fast chargers, 20 portable f- chargers, which is kind of cool. Uh, 11 new solar charging carports, three electric buses to replace diesel models, 78 electric ambulances, and the city will retrofit 125 existing diesel-powered trucks to convert to be electric-powered. It looks like that this Tesla Model 3 order would definitely help cover the first promise to replace 300 fossil fuel vehicles with electric cars. So I'm really happy about this news. It's another city taking a serious look into electrification. And while it wouldn't matter to me which EVs they decide to go with, choosing Teslas certainly gives validation to the brand for this use case. And I imagine that many other municipalities will follow suit. 
Okay, so before I get to the next story, I want to ask a very simple question. If I told you that a foreign auto manufacturer was intending to invest one and a quarter billion dollars in a brand new battery factory in North America, in North Carolina specifically, which manufacturer do you think it would be? A Chinese brand? One from the giants of Europe? Well, to help you figure it out, maybe an easier question would be which manufacturer would it least likely be? Well, my answer to those questions would be anybody but Toyota for the first one, and the least likely would be Toyota for the second. However, if you guessed like I did, we'd both be wrong. Toyota it is, and this week they have made a series of announcements which we'll get into, starting with this one about their intent to build a large battery factory outside Greensboro, North Carolina. The Wall Street Journal revealed that the Japanese automaker is planning to build a large battery factory near Greensboro, North Carolina, and intends to invest one and a quarter billion dollars, bringing more than a thousand jobs to the area starting in 2025. This news comes on the heels of Toyota's announcement that it will invest $13.6 billion in battery tech over the next decade, including a $9 billion investment in production as it attempts to electrify its vehicle lineup. A filing for a public subsidy shows that the government did approve a $435 million package for the project. It's no secret that Toyota has long been avoiding the shift to electric vehicles, and while this could be a sign of things that things are changing, the automaker does leave some room for doubt. They haven't discussed which vehicles they plan to produce with the batteries from this new plant, but they do say it will be for hybrid, plug-in hybrid, and eventually electric vehicles. Now, traditionally, Toyota has had a tendency to focus more on hybrids and plug-in hybrids versus battery electric vehicles, but they've also made waves recently with a presentation introducing their intent to have 30 battery electric vehicle models by 2030. Now, previously to, well, I guess it's almost two years ago, uh, in 2020, they had said that they were going to introduce 15 battery electric vehicle models by 2025. So all they've done is doubled the length of time to do it in and doubled the amount of EV models without still offering a single full battery electric model for North America. They do have, I think, a couple in China, um, but really not much going on when it comes to full battery electric vehicles. So they're still just talking about it. They haven't actually stepped up to produce anything that they're talking about. The BZ4X is not being produced yet. It's close, but it's not quite there. Now, as far as this presentation goes, Toyota's president, Akio Toyota, gave a 25-minute presentation outlining their upcoming electrification plans, both for the Toyota and Lexus brands. Toyota started with the BZ series, which stands for Beyond Zero, and of course, as I just mentioned, their first electric vehicle, the BZ4X, I've already talked about quite a bit, and of course, their cousin vehicle from Subaru, the Solterra. However, Toyota intends to expand the BZ lineup next with a midsize SUV, followed by a small compact EV city car, a midsize sedan, and a larger, more traditionally sized SUV. Toyota not only wants to add battery EV options to existing vehicle models, but they say that they will offer a full lineup of less expensive mass production models. They say they plan to roll out 30 battery electric vehicles globally by 2030 and offer a full lineup of BEVs in the passenger and commercial segments all around the world. 
Of all the shown concept vehicles positioned behind Mr. Toyota, there were a few that were particularly attractive to me, specifically the two really sharp-looking sports cars, one for the Lexus brand and a yellow one all the way in the back for the Toyota brand. Now, especially if you're just listening to this, you're not actually watching the YouTube video, I would encourage you to get on YouTube or go to Toyota's page and watch their entire presentation. It's only about 25 minutes, so it really isn't that long. Um, because right now, I'm only going to focus on these two vehicles. There were 15 vehicles in all, some trucks, SUVs, and whatnot, uh, but I like the sports cars, so that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, in fact, that's what got me interested in Toyota, the company, many, many years ago. My first car was an 88 Toyota Supra, and honestly... In the last 20 years, pretty much ever since the Mark IV Supra, the one, the round one in the 90s that was used for the Fast and Furious movie, the first one, um, Toyota has been lacking since then a really serious sports car of their own. And no, I don't count the recent uh, reintroduction of the Supra brand name, uh, model name, if you will, because that's really just a BMW in Toyota's clothing. Um, it's not something that is uh, uh, wholly and almost spiritually, uh, a Toyota vehicle. So the first concept shown, the Lexus, which they're calling their sports battery EV, looks to be perhaps a replacement of the current LFA hypercar, uh, which in of itself is aging quite a bit. Lexus has opted to retain the proportions of the original LFA. So this means uh, it's got a really long hood and a small greenhouse that's set or positioned very far back in the rear of the vehicle. Inside EVs says it doesn't quite mimic the LFA when it comes to the shape of the rear end, which in this case is more tapered and lower in the electrified sport model. But the manufacturer's inspiration from the old model is fairly obvious. Most manufacturers would have chosen a more midship-like layout for a hypercar, so this will make the production model quite unique among its peers. The performance numbers that Toyota promises place it among the quickest accelerating vehicles in the world along the Model S Plaid, the Lotus Avaya, or the Ramat Nevera. Lexus says it will accelerate from 0 to 62 miles an hour, or 100 kilometers per hour, but I'm converting it, 62, uh, in under 2.5 seconds, and it's designed to run from a solid-state battery, although it may not have one available at launch. Basically, Toyota has said, hey, this is what it's going to do if we can develop the technology in order to make it do it, which means they don't have the technology to make it do it now, which that's okay. You know, most, uh, especially Tesla, will announce specs and features for vehicles that don't exist that aren't attainable at the time of the announcement. So I'm not going to harp on them too much for that. Uh, the cruising range is supposed to be 700 kilometers or 435 miles, although we don't know if that's with a solid state battery or honestly, which test cycle it's even calculated on. And really, the best part is that Toyota made no mention as to when it intends to produce the sports battery EV. So it's all talk. Uh, they've got something there in metal form, um, but it's all talk. You can make a, a prototype or a, a concept vehicle fairly easily, uh, taking that all the way to production uh, and then producing it is actually the hard part. Uh, the second vehicle that piqued my interest anyway is a two-seater smaller sports car with the seating pushed somewhat forwards, indicating perhaps a rear-drive style, kind of like the uh, older MR2, which has me very excited because the MR2 is one of the best 
uh, smaller, historically less expensive. Who knows with whatever Toyota has plans for this one. But uh, historically, the MR2 was the cheaper introductory sports car, which the EV world, that is one segment that is lacking. We don't have a two-seater rear-wheel drive, take the top off um, and throw a car around fun vehicle. So if Toyota makes that, I would be really excited about it. Um, so overall, a couple takeaways for from the entire presentation. Uh, first, Toyota, it seems, has kind of finally rounded the corner and at, at least are starting to admit that battery electric vehicles are the future of transportation. Previously, they have been very against EVs, uh, even in their marketing, not necessarily here in the U.S., but around the world with phrases like we choose not to plug in. That is demeaning to electric vehicles and electric vehicle owners promoting their hybrids as something that is better. Hopefully that is stopping. You know, they've stopped denying electric vehicles, um, which is good. You know, and then secondly, they're saying that they're going to be making bigger investments into EVs and battery technology and development. So that's also good. However, most of this presentation was just fluff. There really wasn't a whole lot of detail. Uh, and on, honestly, I think their targets for 2030 uh, especially is very disappointing uh, overall, I tend to be kind of cautiously optimistic when it comes to Toyota. Maybe they have um, tipped me from downright cynical over to a more of a skeptical side with a big taste of time will tell. Um, I just have a hard time believing that Toyota cares about making electric vehicles. And all of this is really just them bowing to market pressure. I believe Still, that if they were just left to their own and the other manufacturers weren't transitioning to EVs, that they too would never get around to it. They are a huge company and making changes, especially big ones like changing what powers your vehicles, uh, is not likely to happen very quickly. Moto E fans have a lot to look forward to next year. If everything goes according to plan, Moto E is fielding 14 races throughout 2022 at a total of seven different venues with doubleheader race events scheduled at each one. The season kicks off on April 30th of next year at the Jerez circuit in Spain. And that's also where the Moto E official testing weekends will take place in the months leading up to the season premiere. After the series kicks off, Moto E's next doubleheader will take place on May 15th at Le Mans in France. Following that, races are scheduled in May in Italy, June in the Netherlands, July, Finland, August at the Red Bull Ring in Austria. The series will then conclude on September 4th in San Marino, Italy. Notably, the 2022 MotoGP calendar only features a single evening race throughout the season, which is the opening round in Qatar. Since that's not also a Moto E weekend, that means that there will be zero chance of seeing the electric bikes race at night, but perhaps in the future sometime that will change. As with all events during these times, the calendar may be subject to change, but this is truly going to be an exciting year and one to remember as it is the last year for the Energica supplied bikes. Going forwards, Ducati will be the chosen manufacturer for the series. 
And I have mentioned previously that Ducati doesn't make an electric motorcycle yet, but of course that will change and actually is already changing quickly. According to Ducati CEO Claudio Domenicali, a prototype of the factory's 2023 Moto E racer has already made its track debut. An official unveiling of the new bike could be coming soon, so I'll keep you updated. In more two-wheeled EV news, Max Biaggi just broke his own world record by taking his electric motorcycle to 283 miles an hour. Over a six-day period late last month, the Voxen Wattman motorcycle with Max Biaggi on board set a series of 19 new FIM speed records for electric motorcycles. The most prestigious of these new records, setting the outright fastest flying kilometer for any electric two-wheeler, was set with the bike in a mode for particularly streamlined electric motorcycles under 300 kilograms. By running the bike either with its fairings or without, and with its ballast and without, the team managed to run for records in four different classes. The trip then, of course, was a success. Apparently, there's more in the bike than that 283 miles an hour, however, as the onboard GPS recorded an impressive 290 miles per hour peak for the run. The two-way average of the bike to set a record, however, was a bit lower at 283.182 miles per hour. If the weather is just right, or they manage to extract a little more power from the electric motors, this could be a 300 mile per hour motorcycle. Perhaps the most amazing statistic is that the bike managed to run 228 miles per hour in the flying mile without the bike's aerodynamic fairing. The Kennedy Space Center in Florida played host to the record attempts, so the bike had a decent runway to get up to speed, but things were still acceleration limited. Tacking on a few bricks of extra weight to push the bike over the 300 kilogram or 661 pounds means it took a lot longer to get up to speed and ran out of runway before hitting the same top speeds. The fastest 300 kilogram run with the streamliner bodywork was just 253 miles an hour. Sticking with the two-wheeled EV news, as expected, Kawasaki took to the EICMA show to share their intentions to be all-electric by 2035, launch three new electric bikes next year, and 10 new electric and hybrid models by 2025. Kawasaki still has a bit of a leg up on the rest of the big four Japanese motorcycle manufacturers, which in addition to Kawasaki include Honda, Yamaha, and Suzuki. Yamaha and Honda may have been playing with electric scooters for years now, but neither has made a commitment to bring a full-size motorcycle to market by as early as next year, or even at all. Suzuki has gotten some saddle time with electric scooter projects, but still doesn't have a full-size electric motorcycle either. So that means if Kawasaki can make good on this promise, the company could become the first Japanese motorcycle manufacturer to do more than just talk about entering the electric motorcycle market. All right, so the last news story for you this week is kind of in two parts. The EV tax credit bill that has been very controversial so far and now it seems that Canada is weighing in on the bill from their perspective. Reuters reports Canada dramatically hardened its tone with Washington in a dispute over the proposed U.S. credits for electric vehicles on Friday, threatening to slap tariffs on a range of American goods unless the matter was resolved. In a letter to senior members of the U.S. Senate, Finance Minister Christia Freeland and Trade Minister Mary N.G. also said Canada was ready to launch a dispute settlement process under the USMCA trade deal. Canada fears the tax credit for American manufacturers will undermine its own efforts to produce electric vehicles in Ontario, the country's industrial heartland, 
and also undermine the integrated North American auto industry. If this matter is not resolved, they say that Canada will have no choice but to forcefully respond by applying tariffs on American exports in a manner that will impact American workers in the auto sector and several other sectors in the U.S. economy. In previous trade disputes between the two close neighbors and trading partners, both sides have slapped sanctions against a wide range of goods. Ottawa is prepared to publish a list of U.S. products that may face Canadian tariffs, Freeland and NG said, adding that Canada might also suspend dairy quotas for U.S. producers it agreed to under the USMCA. Months of lobbying has done very little to dissuade legislators who are considering up to a $12,500 tax credit that would include $4,500 for union-made U.S. vehicles. In the letter sent to D.C., Freeland and NG said that the proposal was equivalent to a 34% tariff on Canadian-assembled electric vehicles and represented a significant threat. The White House says President Joe Biden considers tax credits a personal priority and that the administration does not view them as a violation of the USMCA. Officials have said they hope to work to resolve the dispute with both Canada and Mexico, which also opposes the credit proposal. The bill isn't just getting pushback from our neighbors to the north and south, however, as far as the latest update on the entire Build Back Better bill, which includes the EV tax credit update, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia said on Sunday, he's a no. Here's Manchin in his own words as a guest on Fox News Sunday. I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. You're done. This is, this is a no. This is a no on this legislation. I have tried everything I know to do. So is the entire bill dead or is there something specifically about the EV tax credit that would be changed and then they could pass things? A lot is in the air right now and I don't have any answers, but I will let you know when there's something more to tell. So that's your show for this week. I will have a recap of last weekend's Extreme E-Race, which was the last race of the season, and what a championship ender it was. I'll have all that action in a separate video. It was an amazing weekend at the Jurassic x in Dorset, UK, and it's way too much to include in this. So thank you so much for watching and listening. Please share this with your friends and anybody interested in electric vehicles. I invite your feedback as always to hello at ev-resource.com and you can leave a comment on the YouTube video, but don't forget to subscribe. That way you'll get all the future shows delivered to you automatically. You don't have to search for the EV Resource podcast week after week. If you want to listen to any of the previous shows audio only, you can find them on the webpage under the podcast section and on most of the major podcast platforms. Thank you so much for being with me and I'll catch you next week.